I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Life is about growing and discovering why we are here and who we are becoming. Today's guest has a story you are going to be in awe of. His name is Jay Brave. I found him on Instagram and resonate with his words and message and his beautiful music. He reminds me of an old soul, like someone who has lived many lives and speaks like a philosopher. I know this episode is one you will share and take many notes from. He is not only gifted with his insight and truth of who we are and why we are here, he is also a gifted musician and spiritual teacher. Having grown up amidst gang violence and crime in Los Angeles, he turned his life around through music, and he brings a unique perspective to life's challenges and struggles. So many young people are tapping into the greater mysteries of our existence, and Jay Brave is definitely tuned into a wisdom far beyond his years. Before I bring this amazing man on the show, I want you to remember to check out my courses on my website, ashleygonner.com. You can also go watch all of my episodes and testimonials on my YouTube channel. I have a waiting list for both of my programs now, and it's also in the link in the show notes. And you can also find the link in my website as well. Transforming teens through my Raising Confidence course and now adults in my Magic Path course has been such a gift. To hear them say they look at life with a new pair of eyes or even the relationships in their lives have improved is what brings me so much joy. If you or you know anyone that can use my magical formula, please send them my way. So now onto our episode with the one and only Jay Brave. So welcome, Jay Brave, to Uncover Your Magic. Thank you for having me. Grateful to be here. I have enjoyed, beyond enjoyed, I don't even know the word, of learning about you, listening to podcasts that you've been on, looking at your Instagram videos of your music, looking at Instagram of you and your story and your children and your, you know, just your journey of your life and I just feel like you're this old soul that has like a philosopher, like in some other lifetime, I see so many layers. My husband was saying, tell me about Jay Brave. Like, tell me why you're so excited about him being on your show today. And I said, there's such depth to who you are and what you know, and it's all in alignment with, you know, what I'm just trying to discover about myself and, you know, why we're here and the lessons that we're learning and, you know, going through a transition and on this planet right now, you know, but I love your, all your outlooks on all these different things. Cause I definitely resonate with that, but I want you, and plus you started working with the youth. So of course that's my 
spot that I love because I do that with my Raising Confidence course. And I'm so, so passionate about empowering kids. And I love your story that you've done and what inspired you to do that because of how you were raised. So let's go back to, so people can understand how you were raised and where it started. Sure. Yeah. I'm one of 10 kids. I was born in Inglewood, California. I'm the second youngest. And, um, you know, I grew up actually, my spiritual belief in the beginning was as a Jehovah's Witness. My father was a proponent of that. And I, I definitely didn't feel always aligned with that route. And I'm currently not subscribed to that particular form of belief, even though I accept everyone's perception of whatever they choose. It just didn't feel aligned for me. And um, I forged a new level of spirituality based upon all the things I've learned. And, you know, when my dad was around him and my mom broke up when I was young. And, you know, in the mid 80s, Inglewood in L.A., the city in L.A., part of L.A. was kind of a very a lot of gang activity was happening, a lot of you know, breakdancing and hip hop was emerging in the scene. Right. And when my father left the house, because him and my mother broke up, my older brother started breakdancing, throwing wild parties. My mom was working the graveyard shift. She wasn't home a lot in the evenings. There was a lot of, you know, hip hop was influencing my life early. I saw kids breakdancing in my living room on cardboard and doing backspins and kids in the back of my, my home in the backyard doing graffiti art. And yeah. my house kind of became the haven for all the neighborhood adolescents to come by and party and experience things, including drugs. Hmm. And it got kind of crazy for a while. My brother started selling drugs and it got so terrible that my house got raided by the police when I was young. And it was really challenging to experience that as a young kid, like four in the morning. My father wasn't there. My mom was there. The rest of my siblings were there. They came beating down the door with, uh, with dogs and guns and there's a helicopter over my house. And it was crazy because they put all your personal possessions in the middle of the house searching for paraphernalia and it's just so embarrassing and just so much shame was filled inside of my heart and so much like fear as a young person but oftentimes in life when really difficult things occur they also become the catalyst for transformation so that moment became the catalyst for my mother to say you know what i gotta get my young kids out of this environment things have gotten really terrible and i need to get them out of this situation and so she chose to move us to the suburbs of manhattan beach in a part of la that's a little bit more affluent and, you know, we had a one bedroom house with like five kids. And, you know, we stayed in a very meager home, even though the area was generally speaking much better, you know, economically than where we were. And she left my older brothers who were kind of still wrapped up in gang lifestyle kind of defend for themselves. But over time, you know, my house got raided by the police there again over the years. I'm kind of fast forwarding and skimming through some things. You know, my father passed away when I was 11. Oh, wow. And uh, a lot of different just lessons showed up for me in the context of these situations. So I'll pause there and I just got to take a moment to to breathe. <laughs> you know, I know you've studied, you know, you think of growing up that way and who you are now as a 41 year old, right? 41. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you look at life as I do, as I love the way you use the infinity symbol and how you look at life as, how, describe that. Reciprocity. How reciprocity yeah everything is always an exchange of energy even right now we're in a space of reciprocity giving and receiving there's always equal balance if we tune to that frequency and presence i think like in nature for instance there's always a reciprocity in the way that some animals feed off the land and some animals feed off other animals and there's always an exchange happening that nature provides even in the context of like say one of the most destructive forces in 
nature is lava. Lava is not inherently good, bad, right, or wrong. Sometimes lava comes up and it can be very destructive, destroy anything in its path, including homes or trees or foliage, but also lava is much needed to create life, to create new land, to create and replenish what was old. So sometimes we label things good, bad, right, or wrong, but inherently everything has a certain level of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. It's a giving and receiving that's always occurring. And I think it's really important to tune into that because that's a really important facet of nature that, that we are. Yeah, I love that. So you're growing up, you are starting to get interested in agape. Do you start like searching for some life meaning? What, where does that start? Yeah. So when my father passed away when I was 11, that was very traumatic. And it was crazy because that experience brought so much grief into my heart. Like even to this day, I've probably never felt such an emotionally traumatic experience in my life. And having to deal with that, remembering when my mother got that call. And sitting on the couch and her, her in tears saying that our dad passed and me and my little brother just hysterically crying because uh, we just saw him a few days before. He went up north to stay with some friends and passed away at a friend's house. And, you know, interestingly enough, that became the catalyst for my mother to start drinking heavily. And my brother, who was selling drugs, started using drugs. He started using heroin and is still kind of in recovery. He's come a long way. But from that experience, I cultivated a lot of grief. And I was going through a lot of racial tension because in 1992, when my dad died, that was the same year as the Rodney King verdict and the L.A. riots. Oh, wow. And there was mayhem in the streets. There was like fires and buildings I saw in the neighborhoods. Racial tensions were at all time high. And there was a lot of times where I felt provoked racially by classmates, students, people driving by seeing me play basketball, calling me the N-word for the first time in my life. It was crazy. And I felt a lot of shame around my culture. I felt a lot of grief around my father passing. And, And over time, as my mom was drinking and my brother was using, I felt a lot of resentment toward them. Mm-hmm. But as I grew my spiritual journey and grew as a man, I realized that those feelings were not my enemies, but rather my greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, the grief of my father taught me to have reverence in life, to realize that everything is sacred, that all life is precious. The shame that I felt about my race, my culture, my story, my upbringing, even my religious conditioning, it taught me to celebrate myself, to celebrate my life. And the resentment that I had toward my family members taught me to have compassion. Because even though they were choosing things that were creating harm for them and also within my family unit, they were doing that as a coping mechanism for their pain. So it gave me compassion for them. And I feel these all these virtues were definitely reinstilled and deepened as my I grew on the Agape journey. I started mm-hmm. going there back in 2003 or four when I moved to Venice Beach. And me moving to Venice Beach was definitely a huge catalyst for just creativity, spirituality, yoga, meditation, being introduced to Michael Beckwith. That was definitely a really profound moment in my life where some of these understandings deepened and grew. Right. So when you start to study at Agape and you meet Michael Beckwith, that's amazing. But, you know, you never even, you weren't interested in doing drugs or anything. Nothing ever pulled you in that direction. Oh, yeah. I've I've had my fair moments of experimenting and trying all kinds of stuff. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Currently, I'm, you know, I've been plant based for 18 years. I sometimes use sacraments once in a while on very specific occasions, especially if I'm working with an indigenous leader, because I feel so many sacraments that are really potent today that are used amongst spiritual circles and beyond. Sometimes, sometimes they're done without intention. And sometimes they're done without the ceremonious ritual that they're intended to be used by that are uh, kind of stewarded by certain cultures and people, for instance, like cacao or ayahuasca or this, that, and other. And I feel it's really important for me, at least, when I choose to participate in things of that nature, 
to really enrich myself and surround myself with people that are rooted in the, not only the medicine themselves, but the culture and the ritual behind it. Right. So for me, it's been a long time since I've done anything of that sort, but I've been really clear. I just had a baby, so I've been in a really clear space the last few years. But I feel everything with intention, everything in ceremony, everything with high prowess and understanding, because it's uh, really important to enter into that different frequency with the highest level of intentions and stewards guiding you along the way. Right. When you first had did ayahuasca, that's been in my I've been listening and talking to people and interviewing people that are that that's really changed their life. They've seen the just a, a different level of who, why they're here. And what did that do for you? I have not experienced that particular sacrament. I've done other things. I will say that uh, I've had other experiences with other plant medicines that are really powerful. I've yet to feel the call to join that circle, even though I've been invited many times. But I'll say this, you know, I went to Vipassana back in 2006, which is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. They have the centers all over the world. And leading up to that, I tried so many different things to have this kind of connection with God, let's say, or connection with nature, or connection with myself. And Vipassana is all about, you know, the Anapata meditation, almost the same kind of meditation that the Buddha utilized to become awakened under the Bodhi tree. And so when you go there, you submit your ID, your wallet, your books. You're not supposed to write or read or play music. It's all about you cultivating a practice. And you're meditating for about 10 hours a day, an hour increments, believe it or not. Wow. And so I went into the experience very novice. And it was profound because amidst the fifth day in the middle of the experience, I had such a cathartic, transformational, samadhi experience, connection with God. By really embracing my pain, by embracing the resistance and the part of me that was physically and emotionally feeling completely overwhelmed and learning to just embrace that part of me. I literally said to myself in the midst of this meditation that, you know, even if I die, I'm just going to sit through this and hold this stance, even if I physically pass away. Not that I felt like I was going to, but I had to mentally get to that place of that level of resiliency. And in the midst of embracing my pain, I somehow was able to experience a deep level of bliss, a deep level of real nirvana and connection with the divine. I even saw myself meditating above like out of body experience for a moment. And I've never been more high and more connected to myself, to God, to nature than in that moment of just breathing. And it was profound life altering level of frequency that I entered. And it's not to take away from what can be attained by plant medicines, because I do think with certain medicines and certain people guiding us, we can have those same type of experiences, but I did find it fascinating that I miss having all these experiments in my early 20s than getting the Vipassana. I'd never felt higher on anything else in my life than just breathing. Wow. I mean, just for thinking 10 days of that, that's mm-hmm. just incredible. Incredible. When you, you think of why we are here, there was something I listened to you say, there's three reasons why you think we're here. Do you remember that? We are here in my interpretation of in that moment of why I shared that, I believe that we are here to awaken to our divine nature, right. express our gifts and be in service. Yes. Those are the three. I love that. Elaborate. Yeah. I feel each and every one of us has a really profound and beautiful story to share. I'm a very avid Joseph Campbell fan. Mm-hmm. And my, do you know about Joseph Campbell? Yes. The hero's journey. Yes. The power of myth, the hero's journey. And he, he dedicated his entire life to study all the cultures around the world, as many as you could, Native Americans, the Japanese, the Africans, the Vikings, the Europeans, so many different circles and tribes. 
And what he found was that there was an underlining theme that he called the hero's journey, in which each and every person in these stories was on a path of discovery. They enter the unknown. Sometimes they're called to do a mission, go somewhere that they've never been before because they've been guided by themselves or someone in their lives to do something. And a really easy analogy to look at is like, you know, the, the story of the knight. When the person comes from humble beginnings, they're being tasked to go slay the dragon and save the village. And so this person goes in this journey somewhere they've never been. And maybe along the way, they have to face other adversities like climbing the mountain, crossing the river, facing some other type of um, very difficult task for enemies. And amidst doing that, they pick up little items like a sacred sword, a special amulet, a special shield. And I think that these very powerful items in the stories are representative of our virtues and values. Maybe it's compassion, forgiveness, unconditional love, for instance. And then ultimately along the way, the person takes these virtues and values to face the dragon. Now, is the dragon real? Or is the dragon really symbolic of the person's ego? Is the dragon symbolic of the person's inner fears and trauma and pain? Or is the dragon also symbolic of the world's pain, the world's difficulties? And so when the person slays the dragon, they're defeating a part of themselves. And they get to go back home when they complete their journey and everyone's waiting for them. And like an avatar of the movie, which is a beautiful story that James Cameron created, he says, we're born twice when we're born amongst our mother and then when we're embraced by the village. Mm. And so this hero comes back to be embraced by the village, sharing how they crossed the river and what they learned from that, what virtue and value, sharing how they overcame the mountain and slayed the, the rats in the jungle and ultimately killed the, the dragon. And in doing that, they share their story to inspire everyone else. And then maybe generations upon generations, like my daughter in the, in the background, you can hear, generations upon generations will hear this story, embellish this story, and then grow from that and heal from that and learn how to defeat their own inner dragons and own inner demons. And so I feel like we're all on the same journey of sharing our story. We're all on this journey of awakening to our consciousness and stop creating the labels of good, bad, right or wrong around our trauma around our pain, not to nullify, like for myself, all the difficulties I went through as a kid, but to realize, wow, these things are not my enemies. The grief, the shame, the resentment, the things that I would resist and push away, they are not meant to be my enemies, but rather my teachers. Right. And can I embrace my story, share my story on your podcast right now, or in life, or through music, or through dance, or through art, or through any form of expression, and use that as a means to be in service with our gifts, because when we do that, something really profound occurs, something really transcendent happens when we embrace and accept the parts of ourselves that we once labeled good, bad, right or wrong. And realize, you know what? I had to go through that difficult experience to learn this profound virtue of compassion or forgiveness or yes. empathy or surrender or whatever the virtue is and share that in story form. So I'm a really powerful, I'm a very strong proponent that each and every one of us has a story to share. Each and every one of us has something that we've overcome. And if we can teach others in the ways that we learn to overcome that, it's miraculous. Right. Oh, I love that. And I, you know, I always, when I started this podcast, I, you know, the intro, it says, you know, everyone has a story to share, you know, there's always magic. And I always, you know, tell my girls when I've been raising them for 12 and 15 years, you know, I, I always talk about the story with the Wizard of Oz. You know, and it, I described that to the girls like, you know, that's the hero's journey too. you know, for them to understand instead of just watching this amazing, cute movie on, you know, when we watch it, 
And like, look at what she did to describe that as the hero's journey. But when you think of like a, you know, your child and how you're raising your daughter and you have a son who's 12, is that? 13 now. 13. Wow. He has what? A few more years of his childhood. And I'm about with Paige, you know, she has three more years till she's going to leave the nest. And I've helped her lead her on this journey of having a childhood. What is your, now that you've experienced your life and you've now raised your son for 13 years and now a new baby, what is your definition of what you try to like leave as a legacy, instill in them? What is it really important to you as a dad? You know, when we're becoming parents, as you know, I think we have such an ideal of what we're meant to offer our kids. I got to prepare the room, prepare the house, get all the clothes ready. What school are they going to go to? How am I going to educate them? All these things come into our hearts and minds of how we are meant to prepare for the arrival of our child or our little baby when they get here and who they're going to become as they grow. And that preparation is very important. But the funny thing is, and maybe you experienced this as well, when they finally arrive, I found that they end up teaching us so much. Right. And the parents that really attune to that, again, that reciprocity, not the space of I'm the parent and you're below me, I'm teaching you how to live. No, there's an exchange happening. And that's why I always say that my children are my greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. They teach me more than than anyone's ever taught me, you know, not to take away from the lessons of all the great people that I admire in life and that, that I've read about and Martin Luther King's this, that, and other. But my children teach me so much about life and who I'm meant to be at any given moment because I feel, you know, before we transform and grow, there's always a space of humility that has to happen. How do we humble ourselves as this person to this task, to this challenge? So even the conflict that we manifest in our relationships, can we humble ourselves in this moment and find out what we're meant to learn and grow from? And I feel that humility when extended to our children is very powerful. And I feel the funny thing is I've had the great opportunity to travel around the world with music. I've been to Spain and uh, I've been to Palestine and Israel and Mexico and Bali, all these amazing places sharing music and around the country. But kids don't care how famous you are. They don't care how many likes you have. They don't care how much money you have or if you have a really dope car or the best Nikes or the best clothing. They don't care if you're a dope rapper or like an amazing Mm -hmm. singer. All they care about, especially when they're young, is are you present with them? Yes. That's it. Like they don't care about all the things that we think we have to do to to be successful in our mind. Not to take away from those things. You know, having a a million Spotify followers or this, that, and those are great things to achieve because, you know, they can help us reach more people. So they're not inherently good or bad, right or wrong either. However, our children... They really just want us to be present to them. And so humbling myself to like when I'm not and when I can be present to them is like a huge healing for me. Like even seeing my daughter each morning, she just looks me in the eyes when I change her in the morning. It's like this really deep, powerful stare. Like the picture I posted a few days back, yes. she just stares deep into my soul. And I just like surrender to that. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, like I've probably known you for lifetimes. Who knows? You might've been my mother in a different lifetime or father. I don't know. And I just deeply find myself like spiraling into her eyes and really embracing that very softening moment. So presence is so key. I think sometimes, you know, it's really important for all of us to balance our career and home life. I've definitely been out of balance pursuing my goals and dreams as an artist and sometimes find myself lacking back at home. But, you know, for the last two years that we've been going through this crazy shift, for me, it's been just 
a complete surrender. I haven't performed in almost two years. I haven't thrown mm-hmm. an event. I haven't, you know, been as active socially. I've just been in full baby mode. And I took off the Jay Brave hat, put on just straight full dad hat. Mm-hmm. And it's felt really nice to just embrace that in these times. And I think for all of us as parents, learning to find that presence, find that balance is really key. Oh, so true. I love that. I'm all about present moment, living right now. This is all we have. I always say that when on the way to school, this is today. This is all we have, you know, be love, give love. This is it. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have yesterday, but when you're looking in her eyes and I know you believe, like I know where our children choose us, choose the parents. I want you to go down that road because my listeners are so into how you create meaning on that your meaning on, you know, where, you know, what is death? What is these children that come into our life? Let me hear it because you're, you're like this reading a book that's been from like hundreds of years ago when I listened to your amazing words of wisdom. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. You know, my philosophy that I've learned to embrace is that we've been here many lifetimes And I really feel that I have no remembrance of any of my past lives in this physical reality. However, sometimes my dreams may manifest things that I wonder if that was like a past life I'm dreaming about or a future life. But I'm not clairvoyant in the sense I have visions. I don't hear things. I know some people that have heard their ancestors speak to them, for instance. But I'm very clairsentient in the sense I feel deeply. Like I have a really strong empathic nature inside of my heart. And when I tune into that question, I felt that I've been here many lifetimes And the reason why I think we've chose to be here many lifetimes is because I believe we're meant to fulfill those same virtues and values I was talking about in the hero's journey. We're meant to not understand on an intellectual level only, but to embody what compassion is by an experience. We're meant to embody forgiveness, embody unconditional love. We're meant to embody empathy. You know, we're meant to embody gratitude and appreciation and reverence, all these amazing virtues. And perhaps... Over the course of many lifetimes and embodying and having experiences that reflect these lessons, maybe at some point the soul does come to completion. And we don't have to choose to be human anymore because maybe we've learned all the virtues and values that we're meant to learn on these experiences. And we can choose to be a tree or a dolphin or something else, or maybe even transcend as I look up into the heavens each night and see, wow, maybe that's our ancestors above us as stars sitting in perfect stillness and perfect illumination. Because they transcended the desire to be human over and over and again. And maybe they just wanted to be a star for like an eon and shine brightly and illuminate us. And so I feel like we can take many forms. And I feel the funny thing is we live in this world of duality. We live in this earthly realm where there's contrast and clarity, which I think are beautiful things. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think we're meant to live in a, we have to have a world without duality or contrast or clarity. I think that's just a, just like there's gravity on earth. Those laws and principles exist in this particular realm, and maybe they don't exist in other realms because there's different rules and guidelines for different planets, perhaps, or different realms that we can live in. But I feel we have to have contrast and challenges. Sometimes, like I mentioned, the lava can be destructive. We go through trauma. We go through sometimes abuse or pain. And not to condone anyone's malicious behavior toward us, not to condone the war imperialization, colonialization of our earth, enslavement of humanity that we've experienced over and over. But sometimes we experience things in order to learn these virtues. Mm-hmm. Because if the world was full of bliss and joy all the time, why would we need compassion? Right. If the world was full of bliss and joy and happiness at every single moment and no one made mistakes, 
Why would we need forgiveness? Why would we need empathy? So to me, these really challenging experiences on our external and internal world have to happen for us to learn certain virtues that we've exalted in most all religions and spiritual beliefs as being like forgiveness is the highest virtue you can attain. Well, how can there be forgiveness if there was only joy? (laughs) And so it's like, for me, I've realized when something occurs in my life to embrace it and learn from it versus push it away and resist it. And I think that same principle can be applied through many lifetimes in context of why we choose to be here, Mm -hmm. to really embody these principles. And then from there, ascend into wherever we choose. Right. You know, choosing to come here. We chose to come here before the contrast, you know, like you were saying. And I believe, you know, I think of, you know, if it was all, you know, perfect, then there's no lessons to learn. There's no growing. There's no expanding our soul. But do you believe that your soul is in this body and there's parts of your soul? We explain because I the linear time, the time is linear. Do you believe that? Can you, do you know that about that? I, th- I think time is, there is no past, no future. Like you said, the presence is, it's, it's, reci- it's reciprocal as well. Okay. It's all happening simultaneously, but I'm open to, to how you're interpreting it too. Well, I just, you know, I've, I've been learning, I'm on this, in this course, that's like every month, right, right now we're in health and learning to love your body as perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything is perfect. And, you know, we're, it's saying yes to things, listening to your inspired thoughts, you know, listening to that voice in your mind that's telling you being really meditate, you know, like being present. It is all being present. But, you know, when you think of, you know, our, our journey here during this time, I'm 52. Like I used to be the one where, oh, my daughters, you know, I didn't have my daughters till I was 37 and 40. So, you know, I had this free life and, you know, I did all the, you know, personal development and did all my fun things, didn't have really any worries, you know, and then you have these children and then all of a sudden, and then you're just worried (laughs) or I am. And then I'm on this new journey where I thought, why? That's fear. We're all perfect. We're all on our own journey. They came through me to teach me. And so when you realize they are your teacher, the greatest teacher, and you have these beautiful lessons that you're learning along the way and learn them as the contrast, the perfection of growth, right? I want you to continue on that because I, my vision, I'm, it's just hard for me to understand when I'm talking about like, this is an illusion, mm. you know, and this is an illusion. This, this is energy. It's just a, you know, we give it meaning. Go, go on that one. <laughs> Jay brave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, you know, the ancient ancestors, especially in the, in the native parts of South America, they say that this is the Maya and it's all illusory. And it's not to make it mean that everything should be approached with apathy. Because sometimes people say, well, it's all fake. It's all, why do I need to do anything if it's all an illusion? It's like, no, we're meant to, we, we have a mission we're meant to fulfill here. And it's funny, you know, a beautiful quote that's said in the Bible is that, you know, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to come as a child. Mm-hmm. And I love that quote because I feel like, you know, I was actually talking to my brethren in Sedona. I was there a week ago. Uh, just passing through very shortly. And he told me a beautiful acronym that he didn't even know was an acronym, but I kind of, he's like, you know, there's four principles that he likes to live by devotion, reverence, awe, and wonder. Oh, neat. And I said, draw. 
Draw. He's like, oh, draw. I never thought of that before. I was like, yeah, draw like a little kid drawing a picture. It's, it's you have fun. And, you know, I always say, I share this with him, you know, when you fall in love with the mystery of life, you live in the awe and wonder. Yes. And it's like that beautiful awe and wonder. It's like, wow, like I'm up today. What a beautiful gift it is to be alive, to finding the, that childlike spirit when you're looking at a flower, when you're looking at a tree. Mm-hmm. And I really feel as I grow and grow my spiritual journey, I feel younger, even though my body still feels a little older. I won't even front on that. <laughs> I used <laughs> to play basketball and do all these sports and stuff. My body's getting a little older, but my spirit feels younger. I feel younger. I feel like I've entered a space of just looking at everything with awe and wonder mm-hmm. and joy. Like, you know, the feeling where uh, the best thing I can share when I work with clients is like, hey, you know that feeling when you go somewhere you've never been before? Like maybe you've been to an international country for the first time. Like, let's say you're in Paris mm-hmm. and you could be going to the store, like the, like the supermarket in Paris, not even Eiffel Tower, just the supermarket. But because you're in Paris, it's exciting. Right. Oh, my God. I'm at the supermarket in Paris. Wow. Like, this is crazy. Look what's on the shelf here. It's like we'll find a way to make it fun and enjoyable because it's somewhere we've never been. And we have this kind of adrenaline and exhilaration. But imagine taking that feeling into everywhere we go or practicing that rather when we need to. Mm-hmm. Because life is literally a movie. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in the drama of the movie versus realizing, wow, I'm the director, I'm the writer, I'm acting in this own play. It's an illusion, it's a Maya. And let me just be observant because the deepest sense of meditation that I found in my practice, and I'm no master, I'm still just practicing, is that meditation is observation. Meditation isn't meant to be, I practice this particular modality to get happier, to get calmer, to get anything. Right. I realized when I reached that state of high level of euphoria and, and samadhi is because I let go of my expectations. I embraced the pain. I embraced the difficulty. I embraced just the moment. I didn't resist the part of it that was uncomfortable. And I didn't cling and crave to the part that felt joyful. I was somewhere in the middle and I was observing whatever was showing up for me. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the greatest, one of the greatest gifts we have just to observe what is what is present for us. Just observe. Right. Because in that space of observation, we become a student and we learn something. Right. And you know, when you say you're feeling younger and even having a baby, you know, and I saw a picture of you with you hold it, touching a tree or, you know, like just when you have these little children that are coming into this world and everything's new and, and you're experiencing that as in their eyes, you know, and you're, you become, in awe. And I, you know, I tell the girls, they have to, we, my courses, they come up with their magic moment of the day because if teaching kids to be in awe and look around, like, and then I'll get these messages, you know, always like either 11, 11 or 10, you know, the time on the clock, they'll take pictures of their, this is a magic moment. Oh my gosh, look up, you know, and all the, you know, the kids on their phones and, you know, not aware of the awe of life, you know, and the awe of what we get to do here. And this is, you know, being present and, and as a parent, you know, like just as watching you with your daughter touching that tree. And I'm thinking, yeah, what if trees could talk to me? What would they mm. say? You know, and to be with her and, and having her have that awareness and, and you know, it's going into her. She's feeling that she's programming her. <laughs> I mean, you're programming her, but I just, you know, to be in the now, be the pre- in the present moment, look at life. I mean, this morning I'm listening to a podcast that you're on. It's dark out. I have my two dogs, <laughs> the flashlight, <laughs> 
and I hear these owls and I stopped and I took you out of my ears and I thought, oh my gosh, who is speaking to me right now? And I just stopped and I looked in the sky and I'm listening in this tree and then I heard a rooster <laughs> and I thought, oh, what's that? It was just kind of this, what, who was giving me this message? You know, I always look at the hummingbirds or, you know, there's a message in that. There's a message, all these little things. But you, if you don't have that awareness or you're not in awe of life and of your present moment, you miss those things. Yes. And it's funny you say that because the owl, the last especially three years, has been a huge, become my favorite animal and my totem animal. Me too. When I was when I was a kid, I used to be have such a high level of appreciation for the cheetah because oh. I admired how fast it ran. And then as I've grown, and I'm maybe because I've passed the forty year mark or some level of spiritual growth, I just started seeing owls in L- in LA. Mm-hmm. There's multiple sightings of owls I've seen in the city, which is very rare. You know, there's parts of like Topanga and Malibu that are very naturist in the LA area, but like I was seeing owls in the city. I'm like, whoa, like I'm literally around concrete and there's an owl popping up around me, which is strange. And it kept happening over and over and over. And I started just deepening my connection to the owl wisdom and realizing that, you know, owls are arbiters to the other side. They bring, like you were saying, they do bring messages from the other realms, especially from realms of ancestors or loved ones that have passed away. So it's really powerful to be present to that. And I don't think any virtue or value can be fully activated without our presence. Mm-hmm. So we have to be present and aware of how these particular attributes work in order for them to begin to click into our lives. And so I love that you taking a moment to stop and really listen to the medicine that these little birds, the bird mm-hmm. tribe is bringing you is, is special because it's like some people just whimsically pass that along and let that go. as right. like a cool thing for a moment, but like to really like sink into that and to tap into that childlike nature. Like, I don't think Christ was, Yeshua was saying that you to enter the actual kingdom of heaven, because I believe heaven is right now. Yes. Heaven is the ever expanding moment that in any moment you can feel that complete let go and be in that zone. And we can enter that space of heaven with our childlike awe and wonder in any given moment, even when you're on that listening to the headphones. And that was perfect. Yeah. You know, I do. It's funny that you say that about the owls. The last few years, too, when I'm run because I run early. And I, I used to hear them all the time and I would see them in this tree or one of them. And I would say my dad had passed away when Paige, my first daughter was two days old. So it was, came out of the blue and I would say, is that you dad? And I would have a Mm. conversation and I, so then the next day there he is again, or I'd lay in bed and I, my windows are open and I hear the hooting and it was just a comfort to me. And that was the meaning that I put on it. And I went today when I stopped and I hadn't heard him for a while. The other morning I had, so lately the last week they've back, they're back for some reason. But I look at that owl as that, as my dad. Isn't that funny that you say it's the ancestors? I love that. Yeah. That might be my dad talking to me too. Yeah. But I, even if it, you know, just having that comfort, you know, and just sitting there Mm -hmm. and talking, you know, before I do my interviews, I write a letter to my dear God, Archangel Michael, my dad, all my guides, all my angels, you know, speak through me. And I, you know, I address that you're, we're all here working together mm. with you, Jay Brave. We're all on this. Everyone's here, you know, working through me and yours through me, through you. But, you know, when you look at life in that way, and I, I mean, I just, you know, just having the gift of 
being able to spend time an hour with with you is like my magic moment of the day. You know, when you look at that and how I was thinking about you and can't wait to share you and on my show, but when you, I just am so, I guess gratitude would be the next thing. Cause I'm all about gratitude. And my one week I spend in each of my classes is gratitude. And when you start talking about, you know, being grateful and looking at life in, in with those eyes, I mean, it just can't, you can't go down, you know, tell me, cause I know you're big on gratitude. Yeah. I feel like gratitude is invincibility because <laughs> when I embody the feeling of gratitude and I just understand what it is, it's like something really magical happens. Can I really extend that to any given moment to those around me, to the situation? And it's, you know, I think sometimes we can misconstrue some of these feelings that make us feel, let's say more joyful as being bypassing. And you hear that phrase a lot in spiritual circles. Oh, you're spiritually bypassing. And I think to me, that only means we're not embracing whatever we're feeling. And I, I think like we, I, I embrace whatever feelings come up. Right. I think they're all powerful. I think they're all teaching me something, even though some are more pleasant and some are unpleasant. I don't think any of them are right or wrong. I don't think my grief is more right or wrong than my joy or gratitude. There's just a different feeling. Certainly sometimes the grief, the shame or the anger can be more uncomfortable, but oftentimes we only can grow in the uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the greatest lessons are waiting for us in the space where we feel the most uncomfortable. And it's actually the gratitude that's easy to be grateful. It's easy to be thankful that it's another sunny day in LA and my mm-hmm. kids are healthy and I just got X amount of money for whatever offering I did or whatever, whatever. And I think it's important to be appreciative, but can we maintain a level of reverence when things are challenging? And that's a real testament of our faith and trust in the divine. Can we really have a level of reverence and appreciation when our car breaks down, we're on the four or five and we're like, damn, I'm out here and I'm stuck. Like to me, those are the moments where the universe is saying, hey, I wonder who you're going to be in the face of this yes. adversity. And I feel gratitude is powerful because I feel like even in that example, it's like, wow, you know, my car just broke down. I'm on the four or five. There's <laughs> tons of traffic in LA right now. It's 85 degrees. But who knows? Maybe it, had I not got my car broken down here, I might have gotten an accident a half a mile up the road that might have cost me my life. Maybe I should be appreciative that the universe stopped me from what could have happened with my brakes going out, for for example. So there's always something to be appreciative for and grateful for. And it does take us to become, you know, the adventurer and discover what that is amidst our situation. Right. I always think that, too. In fact, coming home today after I took the girls to school, I wanted to get home at a certain time and be ready for you and, you know, do a few things. And our, all the streets on our, through our gate was all being paved. And so there's this big lineup of all these cars. And I didn't understand they were waiting for the other people coming one way. Cause there's only one street that was letting people through. And I kind of got, I kind of went, Oh, I got a little bit of, Oh no, <laughs> I don't want to be late for Jay brave. And I got this and I thought, no, stop. And I did the exact same thing. And I, and that's what I, I do that with the girls all the time. And I'm, it's becoming a muscle, you know, it just, it mm-hmm. becomes part of who we are. And I, to teach that to children is, is so important. But, you know, when I sat there and I thought, no, this is perfect. Who kn- I mean, I know it'll be perfect. It is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But everything's I, I, perfect. All the things, all the challenges, all the darkness that you think is dark. And this whole COVID thing, I have never looked at it as mm. this like terrible 
no, it's like, oh my gosh, where are we going? We're, we're going somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. We're going up. A cop, it, apocalypse, whatever you're saying, the, the raising of the veil. Yeah, lifting of the veil. I, yes. And that's what I've been feeling. It's like, wow, you know, uh, what a beautiful time to have a child. Yes. And, you know, after, after performing and traveling for so years and years and years and years, I mean, it's been a really long run of every year setting up almost 100 shows, 80 shows a year, traveling across the country, doing all these great things. What a beautiful time for me just to stop and take off my hat for a minute and be like, you know what? I don't have to tour or travel or be that person in the community throwing events all the time for everybody. Let me just stop and pause and be present to the birth of this child all the way from, you know, the incubation of her inside my partner's belly all the way into the moment she came into the world and even to now. And it's been such a powerful healing for me. And I know a lot of people have had those same type of healings, regardless if they have kids or not, just to stop and pause and look at maybe the things or the parts themselves that they've set aside for a while, emotionally, the trauma. I've heard so many people have breakthroughs in these times. And I really feel, you know, there's so many like regulations and things that are showing up. And I don't even want to go off in that space. But I'll say that people are being given the catalyst to choose who they want to be moving forward. Because all the festivals, all the yoga classes, all the burning mans, all the spiritual work we've done, regardless of where we're from, has been preparing each and every one of us to move into the new space of being the stewards of this new earth that is emerging now. And I feel like it's a powerful time for each and every one of us to realize, wow, you know what? I've always wanted to express in this way. I've always wanted to live my life in this type of way. Maybe it's more connected to the earth. Maybe it's enriching our spiritual practice. Maybe it's being a conduit of our creativity in some way. And I feel now more than ever, it's so imperative to to step into that role that we know that we're meant to be, you know, because we can conform our ideals, our beliefs, the way we live in a society that's obviously not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that are not working in context to our economics, our government, our laws, and this and that and other. But it's like, who do we want to be? The earth is going through a tremendous change right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the indigenous people around the world, even in South America and Brazil, they're being forced out of their natural habitats in the jungle and in the forest. It's sad to see what's happening in Brazil mm-hmm. right now. And it's crazy that we're at a, we're at a very pivotal moment where it's like, certain people are being called to step out of the conformity of what they know and to step into something bigger. And I feel like this situation is becoming a catalyst for us to become the new Avengers of our lives. Yes. Don't you feel like, like I look at us now in the last two year and a half or so, like, gosh, we chose to come here. This is amazing. Like we are, we must be powerful souls to come during this time to take this world to the next level. Don't you feel that way? Yeah, we chose to be here. And I feel like, you know, we're there's something inside of us is meant to be a part of this co-creation of this new reality. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, when I, I remember in 2012, I was at the uh, the event that was happening, the synthesis event in, in, Mex- in Mexico at the Chinstein's Pyramids. I was fortunate enough and honored to oh, receive wow. an invitation to perform at the Mayan Pyramids on December 21st, 2012. And so many of us that were going thought that that was the moment of like ascension or transformation, this new world of peace and benevolence and love. And sure enough, that particular event had a lot of difficulties and challenges. A lot of people had internal triggers that came up. 
because of the experience. And I feel that was each and every one of our individual awakening moments, how we chose to respond to the, the difficulties that were arriving in context of that particular event. But lo and behold, perhaps 2020 was the real 2012. Some people believe that 2020 was actually the timeline was off and what was meant to be the shakeup or the challenge or the apocalypse or revelations or whatever you want to call it is actually occurring now. And so, you know, some of us will succumb to, let's say, the particular agendas that are being cast out now in in context of uh, how we're living and the unsustainable world that we've co-created. And some of us will emerge as the new leaders. And that's why we're here, to really step into a new form of service and expression. And so it is exciting and is also scary. But I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of... um, you know, I believe we're going to make it through this particular challenge. And I feel like we're going to find a way to make a more peaceful world. Mm-hmm, for sure. I, I get excited. I think I, I can just, you know, I feel so much growth within me the last two years. And I have I know I'm sure it's a conscious decision that I want to, you know, I, I have that as in my intention. But, you know, I just see and then I start attracting these people to me even from friends before that I had lost contact with. And now they're coming into this all of a sudden, I'm like, Oh, wow, look at this. I'm creating all these, you know, people that are surrounded, interested in the same as me. But, you know, I just, I get excited. I feel like my gratitude has exudes beyond me a year ago. You know, I, I, it's just, you know, just every day as that focus, you know, to really be in this life and, like loving your, the moment, being knowing that, gosh, we are just beyond blessed to be in this body right now on this earth, in this lifetime, talking to each other, having our babies, you know, like, wow, you know, just, and I find myself doing that so much, but I know we're getting toward the end, but I wanted to talk about your music, your course, the classes that you're doing, where you're heading, what's your, like, what is your intention? <laughs> yeah. You know, segueing off what you were just saying, which is so beautiful, I've really been tuning in to, you know, as I'm cultivating a deeper level of growth, understanding spiritual prowess in my life, and even abundance and prosperity, I, I've tuned in that for me, I'm stepping into a space of returning to a deeper level of earth stewardship. And my goal is to, at some point, really find what's aligned for me and my family in context of not only where we live, but how we live. That's really aligned with the earth and and making a a deeper connection and commitment to being a steward, which I feel like we're all meant to be. We're meant to be here as stewards of the planet earth and mother Gaia and support her and her journey of ascension because she's alive as well. Mm -hmm. She has a destiny just like we do. And we can be a part of the constructive or destructive process in which the timelines can both go. And so as the world's shifting, I'm really tuning into, you know, where I want to be, how I want to live, what ways I want to show up. Maybe some of the old visions I've had are, are evolving. I used to have a vision of making a festival called Benevolence. Oh, yeah. And, and that brand still exists. I haven't thrown events in a while because of what we've been going through in the baby. I've just been kind of on pause. But I thought maybe Benevolence is meant to be a farm. Or maybe mm. it's meant to be a retreat center. Maybe it's meant to be an intentional community of living versus just an experience that happens for a few days. And so my, my visions and dreams are evolving. I do have a goal to complete my story my, in a book form. And uh, I am still putting out music. I just put out a brand new EP with Soul Rising. He's a very well-renowned um, DJ and producer. 
And that EP is called Brave Soul. So check that out if you are listening. Check out Brave Soul on Spotify or on the J Brave Spotify page. I'm working on a bunch of other new music projects and songs, a couple EPs with some people as well. And I do do private coaching with folks. The kind of theme that I love working with people is under the idea of Discover Your Sacred Offering, where I kind of work with people one-on-one to help them support in moving through trauma, moving through blocks, kind of repatterning their belief system, helping people to look at their pain in the more objective space. Like I was mentioning, how do we turn this trauma and maybe sometimes abuse that people have gone through and make it into something creative? How do we turn that into your poetry or your music, your art, your dance, and express that in a way that can help serve others? So that's kind of the underlying theme of how I work with people one-on-one. I am doing a course with my brother Kiyoshi called Leap into Leadership starting October 25th, which is all about those exact same ways of expressing creatively, plus helping creative people learn how to make their own workshops and courses and giving them some tools to create offerings to create some sustainability financially for them as well. So uh, yeah, happy to be in service. If anyone out there would love to connect with me, reach out. I'm on Instagram as Brave Kind Soul. Yes, and I love your Instagram account. And your website is jbrave.net, right? Yes. Okay. And that, even just reading your story on there and your, I mean, we didn't even get to touch on some of that stuff that we could have a part two. But I feel like, you know, when you think of someone like you, and I'm probably repeating myself, but it's almost like it's, I mean, I guess I could use the word channeled, but I just see like this, something's coming out and I, the, the words you use and the, you're so eloquent in your vocabulary. And I just can't tell you, like, I just, it's like you're this angel on this earth that has been given, that has these gifts to give. And that's what you're doing. And you found your purpose. You found, you know, your calling. And I feel like when you see, when I can see it in your eyes and I see who you are and I see through, I see this soul that's just like, you know, wanting to serve and give and help people and, you know, be the difference. And, you know, that's really why we're here to do that. And when I see someone like you and I, I feel that in me. So, you know, I see that in you. I, I've learned that, you know, like when you see something in someone, but I, I just, just serving and giving like you do is like such a gift. And I'm so mm. blessed to have had this time with you. I feel so grateful. You are my magic moment of the day, but I appreciate you being here. Everyone reach out to Jay Brave. He is humble. I, you know, it's like the words that I would describe, like someone just love, I, maybe just love. That's mm. you. That's my word for you is love. Thank you. Truly honored to be on your your platform, Ashley, thank you so much for holding the space. Thank you for allowing spirit to enter the field. My intention is always to inspire the remembrance of our divine nature, regardless of how I choose to show up and express that. So thank you for allowing me to fulfill my purpose in this moment, this modality. It's a gift and honored to have you as my guide today. And truly honored to go great with you. Oh, thank you. So, so grateful. You are amazing. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. 
Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic. <laughs>